0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. I'm going to be in several places there this morning. Uh, First, I want to set the stage for... uh, for the new series that we're going to be in for just a couple of weeks, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, kind of a takeoff of Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen says, "If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come." It's a very powerful passage of Scripture that Paul tells this, uh, this church, first century church. And and so I've you know I've, I wanted to dig into that a little bit because because there's a, a ton of stuff I mean it's really really a rich rich verse and it's a it's kind of the gospel in a nutshell really about the transformation that we can experience in Christ and so this this word actually in uh, and for those of you who don't in you know don't like Greek you can just Kind of pause for a second, and when you unpush pause, I'm going to be right there because that's the way pause works. What uh, I will well, say is fast forward about ten seconds uh, in your thinking. All right, so there is a very interesting word. Uh, has come, has come is actually the word genomai, and again, I don't expect you to care a whole lot about that except for what it means. It's where we get our word generate. So when he says the old has passed away, but the new has come, the has come is generated. It is generated. It's come out of nowhere. All right? It's, very, it's a very important word because there are many words that Paul could have used. So the new has generated. Everything about me is new. So the capacity for new comes immediately. Now, I want you to understand because this is theologically rich. The capacity for new comes immediately. But new begins to generate at that point. All right? So understand, when you say the new has come, it, it seems to imply that everything that is new we get instantaneously. That's not true. The new has now generated But things begin to evolve out of this newness over the course of your Christian life. So now there is a capacity for new that continues to grow and to develop. So everything about your life has this capacity for new growth, new transformation, new completion, if you will. It's called sanctification. But but the word new is a trajectory shift. So we were on this plane and when we intersect with the life of Jesus Christ, our trajectory changes. All right? So the direction that we're headed in life is now not according to my will, but directly according to God's will and that's what Paul is saying. So this is a trajectory shift, but God's work and God's plan for us take a lifetime to, to develop. And to embrace and to understand. Now, Blake mentioned earlier that this morning that we are going to have a Bible study this this coming week on Wednesday at six. Uh, in here, how how can I have free will if God is sovereign? Great question, right? How can I have free will and God be in charge of everything? They they seem to be a, a kind of a paradox there. But I can't dive into that. That's just to kind of wet your appetite a little bit. But in this. Uh, in this morning, I want you to understand that God absolutely has a will for you, a purpose and a direction for your life. But that is found both in the immediate obedience and over the length in the course of your life. It's found now and it's also found later. And most Christians wanna know what is God's will for my life? And listen, listen. <laughs> That's moment by moment, right? I mean God's will isn't well, I mean some people may say, I want to know what God wants me to do, but that that develops, that changes. Uh, over time. He said, you know, does God want me to be a missionary? Does God want me to be a pastor? Does God want me to be a church planner? Does God want me to work at this job or that job? Those are great questions, and those are a part of God's will, but those are not the totality of God's will for you. The totality of God's will for you isn't what you do. The totality of God is found in who he called you to be, and as you are being what God has called you to be, you will find what it is that God has called you to do. In fact, you can try to do some really godly things and never develop Christ-likeness. You will have momentary opportunities to display Him, and you will have lifetime opportunities to display Him. And both types of these opportunities come in your level of, of seeing, of being, of, of spirit sensitivity, and obedience. But understand this, God wants to live through you. But he will not demand to do that. So, Paul says that we are new, and that doesn't mean that the old still doesn't have power. I want to get back to that verse, because it says the old has passed away. That's true, but the word that Paul uses here simply means that the old, it's like it's a it's like it, uh, well, as I was processing this, this was the word picture that came to my mind. It's like an interstate. If you can think about traveling your life along an interstate, and when you intersect with Jesus Christ, it's like, okay, now I'm going this direction and you get off the exit. Well, the old passes away. It's like when you turn back and look at the old, it continues to go, right? It, it passes by like a, like a passerby. You do not have to go along with that way anymore. So the old has passed by, but the new has come. And so now I have a new target and a new direction. But it does not cause the old to die. That is not what Paul is saying. So former patterns keep going. And they even lure us. But now that we are new, we have a capacity to generate a new pattern. The pattern of Jesus. That's the pattern. Listen, I, I, if you don't hear any... Well, I shouldn't say that because you'll stop listening. Um, let me say this. this I, what Paul is talking about, what Jesus is talking about, what John is talking about, what Peter is talking about, is not... Jesus did not come to make you a new, better person for us. But him in us, that's the new And if we're not careful, we can come to think that simply accepting Jesus is the end of our commitment. The pattern that Jesus came, died, resurrected, ascended, advocates for now and mediates for now is not to make a better us. It's to put himself in us. It's just the beginning of the new. Some tend to think that they just pray a prayer and they're done. Put a check by that box or write a name in a Bible and we can just float in neutral while we wait the end. Or now that we're new, we can get back to our old way of life because we've made that decision to follow Jesus. But listen, this is not salvation. If you don't make if you don't get as far away from that interstate as you can, moving in a new direction, the swell of traffic will suck you right back into it and you'll be back on that interstate and not know it. The lure is fast. It's hard, swift. So trusting God, trusting God daily brings salvation. Salvation to the to the entirety of who we are, the whole self. Our, our spirit obviously is reborn in a second and our bodies are in the process of being renewed. And as I apply the maturity that I gain and as I apply the wisdom that God gives and I make the choices that he would make, I can begin to receive daily salvation for my body. And the same is true for my mind. You know, our mind can be an enemy, Right? Sometimes our, our mind is our greatest enemy. Maybe that's just true for me. Uh, I was reading this this morning about a, another poor soul. Man, it just keeps happening over and over and over. Naomi Judd dies yesterday uh, due to mental illness. And you know what that means. Uh, she admits that she struggled with it for a long time. And I am not minimizing mental illness at all. In fact, I've got a story to tell about it. But what we tell ourselves matters. What we tell ourselves matters because it develops who we become. And just because you've reached the peak of the world in the minds of everyone else, I mean, today, Naomi Judd dies yesterday, and today the Judds are being inducted to the Hall of Fame. It's crazy. So sad, so tragic. But what if we convince ourselves, or if we convince everyone else? It's not important what we convince people of. What's important is what we dwell on. And we're going to be tested on that. What's important is the lies that we believe or the truths that we substitute for those lies. The promises that we believe. The direction that we live in. And now that we are in Christ, we have new possibilities that were not there before. Our minds can be our enemy. Worry, fear, fear. Lies, old patterns of thinking. And so what I'm saying today is that we need to apply daily salvation in our thought life, our minds. Our mind is finally controllable after we receive salvation. The, not regeneration, the generation of the new. It's interesting that it's not regeneration because it's not, it's not a better version it's new, not better. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it uh, says that our heart, our heart, Scripture is pretty clear, I, I believe. Our hearts birth everything. So Proverbs 4, 23 says, For from the heart are the issues of life. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, Out of the heart the mouth speaks. So, you know, it's, it's what we fill our hearts with is going to matter. So our heart feels and emotes naturally. Our natural hearts do that. Our natural hearts receive information and develops a process by which that that information goes. It sends the feeling up to our minds. Our minds process it and tell our bodies and then our bodies feel that emotion and whatever it is that you feel typically is how you respond or act. But through salvation, through this this daily sanctification process, God gives us something new, a new heart, a new mind. And these do not necessarily replace the old, but now we have new options. So the old heart processes it, sends it back up to the renewed mind, and the renewed mind should say, nope, ain't buying it but I've already got emotions connected to it. So we say, yeah, but I feel. Well, you need to send that feeling back through the truth of God's word because your feeling may be a liar because that's what your heart's producing. So you take that fear and that anxiety and that worry and that panic and that paranoia, that disappointment, you take all that negativity that surrounds our world that sometimes we just thrive in and we drive it back down to the renewed heart and the renewed heart goes, oh, Look at all of this new. And then it processes those emotions supernaturally, sends it back up to the mind, and the mind goes, now that sounds right. Let's act on that. Now, obviously, I'm simplifying how this process works. But that is in accordance to how God gives us the capacity to drive everything through Christ, through his truth, all his promises, sends it back to the mind, and our bodies can begin to respond according to his truth rather than our, our nature. We didn't used to have the capacity to do that. We used to be a slave to the way we feel. We used to be a slave to the way we acted. We had no choices. Now, because of the resurrection, we have choices. Now, we're also not putting salvation in one big bucket. There's uh, eternal salvation that we experience. Again, we'll talk a little more about this Wednesday night. But there is also a salvation that is available for the day in which we live. You know, we have salvation for today as well. In Philippians chapter 2, that's where we are now. uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Paul tells us to work out our own salvation. Now, Paul is here is not talking about the eternal salvation from God's eternal condemnation, but the daily and the constant salvation that is Christ as a living person. So when Paul tells us, that, doesn't mean that you get to arrive at your own definition of what salvation means. What it means is you get to determine what it looks like to live according to the standard and the pattern of Christ and where you're going to live in that obedience. So it's possible to understand God's salvation in a very shallow, one-dimensional way. And that is, well, I'm saved from the lake of fire. I'm escaping God's eternal judgment. I'm going to heaven and I'll have eternal life. But in Philippians, Paul talks about a, a salvation that is deeper, higher, richer. Paul's talking about a salvation that is, is uh, uh, related to our, our daily habits. Actually magnifying Jesus' life, not our own. Salvation is actually mentioned in three times in the book of Philippians. I want us to look at those in Philippians chapter 1 verse 19. Paul said that he believes that all things will turn out to his deliverance. King James actually translates it salvation. And if you're not careful when you see salvation, you immediately think that Paul's working really hard to stay saved. That's not... That's not what is happening. However, the word deliverance is the word soteria, which is where we get this uh, soteriology, the study of salvation and the, the saving of things. But Paul says that these things will turn out to his salvation through the prayers of the followers of Jesus and the help of the Spirit, Paul would be rescued. But the way that Paul uses this word is not talking about his spiritual salvation. What Paul is talking about is the situation of sitting inside a jail cell and it not making a difference in his life. What Paul is terrified of here and puts it to pen is that he is going to spend time in prison and he might chicken out. and he might, It might not matter. He might put Christ to open shame if he doesn't conduct himself the right way. In, in Paul's mind, the salvation is being able to magnify the name of Jesus in difficulty. I pray that these things will work out to my salvation. He equates salvation with not being worthy of sitting in a prison cell. Paul's not asking for to be delivered out of prison. Paul is saying, I, would, I am praying that I will not be putting Christ to open shame by not holding up well while I'm here. So pray for me. Pray for me that I can stay strong. Pray for me so that I can endure. Christ would be magnified in his body. And that's the primary part of walking with Jesus. Paul's got a lot of plates spinning right now, but you know what he's most concerned about? Magnifying Jesus with his body today while he's being tested. Magnifying Jesus today. How do I make much of Jesus? How do I expand the view of Jesus? And it requires this ongoing generated newness. So pray for me. Later in this chapter, verse 28, he said, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. He said, This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. What Paul is saying is, I'm under difficulty right here, and you know you you are too. But if you hold up well, worthy of the gospel, it's for your salvation. It's also proof of their destruction. He's not talking about eternal salvation. He's talking about the ability to stand and to magnify Jesus today. Your ability to stay holy today proves that Jesus Christ is working out the gospel in your daily life. The third salvation we've already mentioned in second in the second chapter in verse 12 I'm going to read that this time therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only is in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you who works in you this is not something you're doing, all right? This project of newness is not yours to monkey with. You do not have control over becoming a better you. This is God working in you. It is your partnering with Him to allow him to do the work that He longs to do and can do. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for whose good pleasure, His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So Paul spent the first two full chapters of Philippians convincing us that Jesus is the model of everyday life for the Christian. Inward thoughts, outward actions. Inward thoughts, outward actions whatever you think you do paul challenges us to exercise obedience and to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling without murmuring without disputes because the world is looking to see how christians live every day and it's in the dark times of life that you can display the most radiantly and illuminate the most clearly but not who you are who he is In all three of these instances, Paul is externally in a prison. But he never mentions being released from prison. And he also wasn't talking about being saved from sin. He wasn't talking about being saved from the world or the flesh or even the self. But referring to salvation, he speaks of experiencing Jesus Christ. Living out Christ. Magnifying Christ in every Every conceivable circumstance God uses in your life because everything God does, he is working to manifest Christ's likeness in those who follow him. Everything, everything that he does has a purpose. So don't grumble and dispute. You grumble and dispute, you're arguing against what God's perfect plan is for your life. He's working out Christ's likeness in you. And what we should be terrified of Is forfeiting that daily salvation to be able to partner with Him and to demonstrate that. This really speaks of our our daily salvation and the need for us to work out our own salvation daily. And so when I say salvation, I'm not talking about an event that you've prayed a prayer. Salvation isn't an event. Salvation isn't an event. It's not a thing. Salvation is a person. Salvation is the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. He is our salvation. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And whatever circumstance you find yourself in, you need to be working Christ out in your life in such a way as to make much of him, whether you're sitting on the mountaintop or in the midst of the valley.
1: Paul says Christ is a living person. Not of our spirits, not of our minds, not of our bodies.
0: What Paul saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says that, that I discipline my body to keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Paul is concerned about that disqualification that takes place. Not necessarily losing salvation, but losing the ability to magnify Jesus in my daily life. So Christ is our salvation. This isn't a checkbox while we wait. This is what I want you to hear clearly today. Salvation is a person. It is a relation. It's a daily relationship with a person that we walk with, that satisfies our day, that fills our hearts, which transforms our mind, which changes everything about our life is new when we take on the life of Jesus Christ. So we need this, this salvation, this, this Christ, constantly daily, moment by moment. He lives in us, He grows in us, and he's being formed in us. This is the new. The new is not me. Listen, the new is not me. Old things have passed away, and behold, Jesus is in you now. That He's the new. He's the new. Not a better version of yourself. not turning over a new leaf. Himself in you, the hope of glory. You see, if we only depended upon the eternal salvation, which, by the way, most Christians do, but if that's, if that's our hope, if that salvation is our only hope, then you can live out your life dead, purposeless, while you wait for it. You, you can be a Christian and have no purpose in your life, no meaning in your life, no direction in your life, no joy in your life, no cross-likeness in your life. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. Who began the good work? He did. He will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you ever hired a contractor who didn't finish the job? After you paid him. Anybody? (laughs) He will bring his construction project to completion at the day of Jesus. Some of us think we've already been completed. Nope. We're completed at the day of Jesus. Even though we're new, we're new. I'm not taking anything away from the newness. But we're under construction. Your new is under construction too. Think of it. The, the, think about the road that you travel every day. It's it's the best, fastest way. But all of a sudden, it's under construction. What happens? Reroutes, uh, traffic, frustrations, unpredictability. I mean, remember remember not long ago trying to get to Memphis. What in the world and I blame Memphis for that I don't know why what Memphis is fault you say I, I try to allow about three and a half hours to get to Memphis but if you're going through Memphis and you, you know you're going to you know, somewhere else it's like when do you leave I, I, how do you know you got to leave time how much time I, it just depends on what time you're going through the interstate I don't know I mean you're rerouting and it's bumper to bumper rerouting too so it's frustrating right it's just, maybe it's just me I don't, I don't like that kind of construction. They're slow. Everybody's leaning on a shovel. <laughs> get to work. Memphis Bridge. Remember the Memphis Bridge? What in the world? Didn't even know there was a problem with it. How longs it take? How longs it take to get through Memphis? Well, depends on who's in front of you. It's a pain. Our lives are like that too. When we're under construction. So we want to get there the fastest, the easiest way. But sometimes, when you're under construction, you gotta you gotta figure out how to navigate. You gotta see where where the stoppages and the traffic is. Sometimes construction is repair work. Uh, it's terrible. I hate it. I, I like. I mean, I'm good at it. I don't like it. It's it's frustrating. It's like buying new tires, right? Every now and then you have to buy new tires, and it's 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 a very expensive thing that you got to do, and you don't know that you did it but you got to do it, You right? You know what I mean? I mean, I hate new tires, but you got to get them. You can't really tell that you bought them. It's just like the Memphis Bridge. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell that they did anything. <laughs> but here's what we do know. Listen to this closely. You ain't the Mississippi River. That's what you know. Sometimes construction is repair work that you didn't know you needed. Because you got off course and you wasn't evaluating the right things, but the Lord's evaluating all the time. And He knows, He knows what rivets have popped out, and He knows what bolts have sheared loose, and He knows the formation that needs to take place, or you might end up in the Mississippi River one day when you cross it. Sometimes construction is new, new home, new remodel. Now, this really I love I love new I love new construction. You see something you want. You have an idea of improvement. You begin developing a plan. You take into consideration the finances, the contractor, the final design. You move everything out. You tape everything off. You don't prevent damage to every other area. You focus on the improvement. That's That's a lot more fun sometimes. You ever been in the middle of a project and then say, why did we even start this Things were fine. You get into a wall and there's electricity in a place or where the previous person who had another plan did something the wrong way and now you got to fix that too. I might be a little upset this morning. I don't mean to be. (laughs) You have to start tweaking things. Takes longer than you think. Step on, well, whatever. So it's frustrating for sure, right? I'm, I'm getting a little bit too close for comfort here, so... Sometimes we struggle remembering that while we're under construction, listen this close, the design isn't ours. It wasn't our idea. The plan's not ours. The economy's not ours. The property isn't ours. You see, we belong to the creator. We give, gave, him rights to the property as the property owner. So with that, he gets to see us. And say, hmm, this is what I want to do with that. This is salvation. Giving God the ability to speak construction into our life. But not so that we can be better versions of ourselves. So that we can be like Christ. And only our creator knows what that looks like. I remember doing some. I had a a guy help me with some trim work once and, uh, you know, have you ever worked with anybody with trim? Some guys are like really great. I mean like they're going to work and work and work till they get those angles perfectly and try not to even use nails. Some guys buy lots and lots of caulk. <laughs> I'm telling you if, you, if it was your job to become like Christ, you'd have a lot of caulk. Because it's a whole lot easier to fake it. If the goal is to convince everybody else, you can just use caulk. But when your heating and air goes out and your house begins to expand, condensation begins to set in, humidity rises, you start seeing trim sag, cracks along every line, and you say, never use that guy again.
1: Ephesians 2.10 says,
0: we are His workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we trust that his salvation will work efficaciously in us. Sometimes we expect God just to make better versions of ourselves, you know, to, to help us out of the dilemma that we're in. But that's not, that's not salvation. Salvation is to form Christ in us. The proof of God's work is that we become more like Jesus. Listen to this again. The proof, the proof of God's work in your life is not a better version of you. It's when you begin to see Jesus beginning to live where you used to. Jesus is that daily salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So God saves us in the daily. He places us under construction to make us look, think, feel, see, love, and act like Jesus. And there are things that you are going to have to walk through, that we are going to have to walk through, and there's no way to learn those things except to walk through them. But while you're walking through them, You must, like Paul challenged us, see Jesus, lean into Jesus. Everything that happens is a part of the construction project. Sometimes we're under repair. Life is about reworking and getting back on track. Sometimes we're new construction and God is creating in us a greater capacity to magnify Jesus. Both are frustrating if you forget God's will for your life. If you forget that he has a plan for you. But when you remember that, you can count it all joy when you go through various chiseling projects. Because what he begins, he will complete. And I promise you, you will love the finished product. So salvation causes us to magnify Jesus today, regardless of our daily circumstances. Paul's in prison, and that's bad enough. But Paul's also going to be under the sword magnifying Jesus. And if Paul hadn't magnified the Jesus in prison, and how in the world is he going to magnify Jesus under a sword? I know. We don't want to be in prison or under a sword. That's how. I'll magnify Jesus because I get to live on the mountaintop all the time. Well, that's great, and that's what we would all want. But it does not produce Christ likeness. Why in the world we would think that Jesus's cross would would produce a cushion for us? So Paul says in Romans twelve. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So your part of the partnership is to present your bodies in surrender to him. That's your part. So to the degree that you lean on him, there is a product. Listen to this. Do not be conformed to this world. That you know what that means? It means to, when you're on the interstate, don't go along the way with traffic. Don't conform to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word now listen conform do not conform the word con is with like a con man kind of pretends that he's with you you know that's that's where we get the word uh, so con means with so it's, it's also a, again, I'm sorry for geeking out on this stuff, but uh, it's a present participle. It means it's a continuous action. It's always in the present and it's passive tense, which means that it's something that's happening upon us. So when he says don't conform to the world, he's saying don't ever at any point in your life allow the world to have that kind of influence on you. It's not... You be careful what you do. No, no, these things are happening upon you. You're the passive. But what you do determines who influences you. So, conversely, but be transformed. Trans means across. It doesn't mean with, it means across. So it means to, to, for something to originate here and then to move across to be something completely different. So experience a a metamorphosis, something that moves from a caterpillar through all of the aspects of becoming a butterfly, the metamorphosis, the the move across all of the stages of development to become a completely different thing. Metanoa. Conforming is done by the world. Listen to me. The world will conform you to the level of your investment
1: in it. Period.
0: But the transforming is done by God. By the way, transforming also. Also, present passive tense. Always be in the process of being transformed. By God himself. Looking like Jesus. This is his work. Your work is to lay yourself down as a living sacrifice. His work is to, conform, to transform Jesus Christ into you. Allow yourself to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Sometimes the most significant hurdle of construction is the person who thinks they own the home. Listen, God is not constructing a better you. You are being constructed to be like him.
1: Conformed,
0: you have to do no work. Just keep doing what you're doing. It requires no change. But I promise you will always become like the world naturally. Naturally and earlier we were praying about self-awareness and not knowing ourselves very well, it is so easy to just go along and we don't even know how like the world we are and how like the world we think. God does the work, but you have to provide the raw materials. Once you surrender yourself as a living sacrifice, you begin transforming. You know what there's one thing I know for sure when a construction when a construct when you finally figure out what it is that you want it'd be really great to go and it'd be done right construction doesn't work that way transformation takes time it's not an event it's a process it's a construction project he says how are we transformed by the renewing of our minds using the filter that God gives us, the other thing that is new. You have, to give him, you have to give him your thinking. This is where we're going to start. We've got several other things that we're going to tackle over the next few weeks. But he will take your thinking and he will apply it to your heart and that will create new. When that gets down into your heart, everything about your person begins to be new. New being Jesus. He has given you promises. He's given you assurances. He's given you hopes, desires, new perspectives, but you must dwell on them. They become life that God will use to magnify Jesus through you. So, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8, I'm just going to read it, we're going to close with it. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I'm telling you, if you think about things that are not these things, you'll begin to live in them. You'll begin to feel them. You'll begin to pursue them, but they're not going to produce Jesus this word "finally" is a very interesting word. It's actually even fun to, to, to know. It's the word "loi poi." Sounds Hawaiian. "Loi poi." What it means is, all right, now that all that's over, let me let me close with this. That's what he's pretty much saying is, here's the rest of it. Uh, the word could also mean residue. Here's the reason that I tell you all that. Here are the things that stick when everything else is done. Paul says, if you practice these things, that the peace of God will be with you. All of these things, though, they require time and they require season to produce. I mean, like you you learn, how do you know that something's true? You know, if somebody says, if there's a sign that says wet paint, what do you do? Well, I got to test it. See if it's true. See how old the sign is. You go to a Mexican restaurant and they sit down their food in front of you. You say, it's a hot plate. What do you do? I want to know if my definition of hot is your definition of hot. I'm ah, I burned burn myself and I'm mad at you for it. <laughs> you know, if, if you want to know if anything's true, you've got to test it. It takes time to test things. You're going to learn what's honorable. You have, to, you have to be able to test it. Justice is the core attribute, a core attribute of God, and righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, Psalm says. He is just and He is upright. And as we focus on all of these things, I'm not going to go through them, but our focus is not on the things. Our focus becomes on Him. He is all of these things. So in every circumstances of life, I'm focused on the positive side of all of these things because God in His construction project of me is using all of these things to conform Himself in me. We learn then to seek them out, to look for them, to invest them in others. They adjust our minds so that he can adjust our hearts. And that's where the construction takes place. So we've got to learn how to lean into him, how to learn him, how to live him. And it is the only place to find meaning, purpose, peace, peace. And ultimately, completion of our life. So as we started today, I want to end by saying, Lord, if there's anything in us, anything that we're resisting, anything that we're doing, anything that we're thinking, any processes that we're going by that's not producing Christ, then we are the saboteur of Christ likeness in our life. And a lot of times, you know, we give sin and we give Satan way too much credit because sometimes we're just fighting with the contractor. So this morning, I just want us to begin by asking the Lord if there's any part of our life, any part of our thinking, that's where it's got to start. Most of the times we want to just start with, what am I doing wrong Will we do wrong because we think wrong. Let's give God control of our mind so that he can transform it to the image of Christ. If you're here today and you have not received Christ as your Savior, I beg you, life is meaningless without him. You will not find purpose, the purpose and the direction that you're looking for while you're looking for comfort. Comfort is found in pleasing Jesus Christ. Peace is found in Christ likeness. Everything else is a substitute. If you've never received Christ as your Savior today, I beg you today, let's do that together. If you're a Christian here today and kind of feel like, man, I'm a Christian, but I'm going through the motions. I, I, I I know that I have trusted Jesus, but he is not being formed in me. Listen, this is not God's fault. God is not hands-off with us. It is His will to place Christ in us.
1: So my encouragement today is let's make a decision
0: to not wait for eternal salvation, but to live daily in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank You for Your Word today. I just pray that as we go, we will depend upon You. I pray that your spirit would have a a provoking power today, that immediately we get into better habits of what we tell ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, the things that we say about ourselves to ourselves. And I pray that we would say what you say about us, that we would flip the script, and we begin to partner with you. And the things and the way that we think, we begin to empower the way we think about others and and the the hope that we offer and the, the light that we shine in the lives of others. That we may magnify you. Even if we end up in a prison or under a sword, the name of Jesus be lifted high. In his name we pray, amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.